You're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. At the heart of the Christian faith is the belief in the resurrection of Jesus. So central is this one part of Jesus' story that the Apostle Paul once proclaimed, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But we often forget that this key part of our faith was not so obvious, even to Jesus' first disciples. They too thought it was unbelievable until they encountered him face to face soon after his death. Open your Bible as we dive into John chapter 20. A recent survey of 8,000 people revealed a startling fact. One in six Americans think the earth just might be flat, not round. I am not kidding. People believe some crazy things these days. Now, I was also reading an article in Psychology Today about this phenomenon that people believe some crazy things, and they had a list of crazy things that people believe, and you know what one of the things on that list was? It was religion and believing things like Jesus rose from the dead. So, are we crazy? If we believe that Jesus rose from the dead? You know, it's not exactly a new question. Let me read this to you. This is some words that Paul wrote to a church in a place called Corinth. Now, in the church at Corinth, there was some arguing going on about the resurrection of the dead, specifically loved ones that had died. Were they still alive somewhere? Were they going to come back from the dead or were they just gone? Listen to what Paul had to say. He wrote this. He said, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are indeed lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied, Paul wrote. But then he said this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul acknowledges the fact that this whole idea of believing in the resurrection of the dead, that dead people come back to life, is kind of rooted in this idea that Jesus was dead and came back to life. And, and Paul says, if, if that didn't happen, we're pretty foolish. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead and and we just kind of had this blind hope or blind faith in that, then, yeah, we're pretty foolish. But Paul believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, why did he believe that? Why do we believe that? Is Is there any basis in fact for that crazy belief? I would argue there is. In fact, There's three questions that I'd like to talk with you about today. Three questions that we kind of have to answer if we're going to believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. The first one is this. We talk about Jesus dying on a cross. Did he really die? Because you see, if Jesus just like went into a coma or something and then later came out of that coma, it would explain a lot about why people saw him alive even after Good Friday. 
The second question is this. If, if Jesus really did die, well, what happened to his body? Was there really an empty tomb on Easter, and what does that mean? And then the third question we have to deal with is, okay, so if Jesus really died and, and there was an empty tomb, what about these witnesses that claimed they saw Jesus alive, that he had risen from the dead? Let's, let's take a look at each one of those questions one at a time. Let's start with this first one. Did Jesus really die? Now, as I said, there are some people that make this claim that, uh, that Jesus was just like in a coma. He was just really, really sick and unconscious, and, and that's why he resuscitated later and people saw him after his crucifixion. But, but listen to this account that the Apostle John wrote. Now, John was one of the witnesses to the crucifixion, but we believe he didn't write this account that's found in the gospel till 60, 70 years later. So this was written near the end of his life as he looked back on the events that had happened on that first Good Friday. Listen to what he wrote. He said, now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, a special religious holiday for the Jews. Because of, the Jewish because of this, the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, the bodies of Jesus and the other two people, these thieves that had been crucified next to Jesus. So they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. Now, there's some really interesting details in what John has to say there that help us answer this question, did Jesus really die on the cross? First of all, you need to understand this. When, when the Romans crucified somebody, they were pretty good at it. They had developed it to kind of an art form. For example, one of the innovations the Romans added was they added a, a little step where you could rest your heels a little on the cross as you hung there on that cross. Now, why did they do that? Well, you see, what actually kills you when you are hanging on a cross is not the loss of blood, although that can be significant. The thing that kills you is you basically suffocate, and then your heart stops because of the fluid that builds up around your heart because you're not breathing properly. See, as you're hanging there, it's hard to get a breath. Now, if you push up on that little step, if you like can push your body up a little bit, you can inflate your lungs, and you can get a better breath. And Early in your time on the cross, you could do that, but as you got more and more tired, it became harder and harder to push yourself up, and your breaths became shallower and shallower. You were getting less air, and more carbon dioxide was staying in your body, which meant more fluid was building up in your body, specifically in your chest cavity, and eventually, you couldn't breathe anymore, and that fluid around your heart caused your heart to stop beating, and that's how you died. So, Crucifixion, Roman crucifixion, could last for days. But notice the Jewish leaders don't want those bodies on the cross for days. And so they asked that their legs would be broken because once your legs are broken, then you can't push up at all. And that suffocation and that pleural effusion around your heart, that buildup of liquid around your heart happens much faster and you die. 
But notice what it said when it came to Jesus. It says he was already dead. They had to break the legs of the other two. Uh, but, but Jesus, it said, was already dead. And the way that the soldiers confirmed that was they pierced his side with a spear. And did you notice, John says, specifically blood and water came out. That's what we would expect to happen for someone that had died from this congestive heart failure, as we often call it, this fluid around the heart that happened because Jesus wasn't breathing properly. Jesus was indeed dead. And and notice that John wants to make sure that it's clear that Jesus was dead. John even says, look, there's a witness who saw this happen. And John says his testimony is true. John's making the claim. He's saying, you can go talk to him if you want. You You can hear him say that detail. And that detail about this blood and water that came out tells us for sure that Jesus was dead. It makes medical sense. So, The question, did Jesus really die? I think very clearly the answer to that is yes. Romans were good at crucifixion, and the eyewitness tells us that what he saw from Jesus was, yes, he was indeed dead. So that's the first question, but what happened to his body? Well, again, listen to what John has to say. He says, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Jesus was crucified just outside the walls of the city in that day, and that's where the tombs were as well, just outside the walls of the city. And there was one in a garden fairly near Jesus' cross, we're told, where no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they needed a close-by place to put Jesus' body. They laid Jesus there. Now, Matthew's gospel gives us some other interesting details. Listen to what it says. It says the chief priests and the Pharisees, those who had had Jesus crucified, they went to Pilate and, sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that the deceiver, that's what they called Jesus, said, after three days, I will rise again. They acknowledged that Jesus had said he was going to rise from the dead. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he was raised from the dead. This last deception would be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. You see, the the Jewish authorities were worried that the disciples would steal Jesus' body, that To support Jesus' claim that he was going to rise from the dead, they would take his body and hide it somewhere or get rid of it somewhere and then be able to claim that he had risen from the dead. In fact, Jesus does rise from the dead on Easter Sunday. And uh, and the chief priests are so concerned about this, listen to what they do. This is, again, in Matthew 28. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers, those that were guarding the tomb, a large sum of money telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. In other words, if they get in trouble for falling asleep on the job, they say, don't worry about it. We'll take care of that with the governor. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were instructed. And then Matthew says this, listen, he says, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews till this very day. You see, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it would have been fairly easy for the religious leaders to do a search, find the body somewhere, and say, see, he didn't rise from the dead, here's his body. 
or even to take a body that wasn't his and claim it was his, but they don't do those things. And in fact, they acknowledge the fact that there are a number of written accounts that verify that Jesus' tomb was empty on Easter Sunday. The Jewish officials never claimed that it wasn't. They simply said that they had their own explanation for why it was empty. They said, well, the disciples stole his body. So what about that? Is that true? What, what about these witnesses that claimed they saw Jesus risen from the dead? Well, again, back to John's account. This is what John has to say. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Paul later says this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that after that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul makes the claim, and Matthew makes the claim, John makes the claim that there were witnesses who saw Jesus raised from the dead couple of interesting facts about those claims. First of all, did you notice who the first witnesses of the resurrection were? They were a group of women. Now, if you were going to, as the disciples, steal Jesus' body and make up a story about finding the empty tomb, the last thing you would have done was be to have women as the first witnesses. See, in those days, women were seen as unreliable. They were not allowed to testify in court. They were not given any kind of official status. So, so if you were going to construct this elaborate hoax about Jesus' body after you've stolen it, you would have maybe had some religious officials be the first witnesses, some people of, of status in the society be the first witnesses, not a group of women. Doesn't sound like a made-up story, does it? But even more than that, Paul makes the claim that Jesus appeared not just to a handful of people, but to... Over 500 of them. Now, now I'm going to put some pictures on the screen for you just so you can get a sense of what we're talking about here. Uh, this first picture, this shows you this is about 100 people. That's what 100 people looks like, just to give you a mental image. Now, this picture, uh, this is kind of a medium-sized movie theater. That's about 250 people. That's what that looks like. And now, if you think of maybe the biggest movie theater you can think of, or a pretty good-sized theater, or if you're familiar with uh, our Kimberly Way site at Trinity, the worship center there, if you pack that worship center full of people, if you pack the, a large theater full of people, that's about 500 people. Now, think about that. Paul makes the outlandish claim that Jesus appeared at one time to a group that big, and he says this. He basically says, if and if you don't believe me, go talk to them. Talk to any one of those 500. He says, well, no, you can't talk to all of them. There are a few that have died since then. But, but most of them are still alive. Most of them, if you go talk to them, they will tell you that they saw Jesus. Now, the amazing thing is, in the years to come, many of them did die. In fact, they didn't just die of natural causes. They died claiming 
that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead, and they died because they were making that claim. Not a one of them ever said, wait, it was a hoax. We, we stole the body. I never really saw Jesus. Paul makes this amazing claim. He says that there were, there's over 500 people out there that will tell you they saw Jesus risen from the dead, and a lot of them died because they were making that claim. Folks, I, I think when you consider this evidence, when you, when you consider the fact that Jesus really did die on that cross, there's, there's a lot of good evidence to support it, much less the fact that Romans were really good at killing people on the cross. When you consider the fact that Jesus' body was indeed gone on Easter Sunday, even the religious leaders admitted and acknowledged that that body was missing, it was gone, and created a fabrication, a story to try to cover it. And, and when you consider the fact that there are over 500 witnesses in Paul's day that he claims you can go talk to, and they all saw Jesus, folks, there is some really good evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, maybe you're still skeptical. Maybe you're saying, Mark, you're using the gospel accounts, and, and even though there are other writings from the time that kind of supported it, it I, I just, I don't buy it. Oh, you're not alone. In fact, John tells us in his gospel that one of Jesus' actual disciples, one of the 12, a guy by the name of Thomas, when he was told that Jesus was risen from the dead, he didn't believe it either. We're told the first time Jesus appears to the disciples, Thomas isn't there. And then it says this, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples said, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands from where he was crucified and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side where they put that sword and that blood and, and water came out, he goes, unless I can do those things, I'm not going to believe you. We're told a week later, the disciples were in the house again, and this time Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he looks at Thomas and he says, Thomas, come here, put your finger here, see my hands? And uh, put your hand in my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, he recognized Jesus for who he was, the, the risen Savior. And then Jesus said these words to him. He said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe you and me. Folks, if Jesus has indeed been raised from the dead, if, if that's not just a, a dream, if that's a, a real historic fact, rooted in the evidence that we just discussed. Think about what that means for us. Back to what Paul had to say at the beginning. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins and those who are fallen asleep are lost. But if Christ has been raised, it means the opposite of those things. It means our faith is not futile. Our faith is based in a real amazing fact. Not only is our faith not futile, he says, you're still in your sins. That means we're not still in our sins. It means our sins are forgiven. That, that forgiveness we talk about is real because we know Jesus rose from the dead. And it says then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. But if Jesus has risen from the dead, it means they're not lost. Those that we love that are no longer with us who have died in faith, they're not gone. 
They will rise from the dead just as Jesus did. That's why Jesus is called the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that means, by the way, that we will one day rise as well, that death has no power over us. Isn't that amazing? Talk about a strange encounter with Jesus. We've, we've, over these last weeks, we've looked at all these different ways in which people encountered Jesus. The strangest of all, though, was a person who had been dead and now risen from the dead. You know, I, I said at the beginning that uh, there's this thing called the Flat Earth Society. These, these people that, that actually believe that the earth is flat. And uh, you can go to their website. There's some interesting things there. There's some kind of amazing pictures. I went there and I, I was looking and I was kind of, oh, wow, well, you know, they kind of have a point. That's really kind of interesting. And, oh, that's really kind of interesting. But then there's this. There's a whole bunch of people that actually walked on the moon. <laughs> and they, they looked back and they saw the earth not flat, but this round ball floating in space. And you can talk to them. There's a whole bunch of people uh, that have been on the International Space Station and have orbited around this Earth. And if you don't believe it, you can go talk to them. There's a whole bunch of scientists that have done all different kinds of experiments to demonstrate and prove that the Earth isn't flat but is round. And if you don't believe it, you can go talk to them. The witnesses will tell you that no matter how crazy it seems or how credible it seems, the earth isn't flat, it's round. Paul makes that same claim that there were a whole lot of witnesses in his day that would tell you the same thing, that not only, not about the earth, but about Jesus. He wasn't dead. He is risen. I pray that, that you would know the truth of the resurrection and that you would know that because Jesus rose from the dead, your sins are forgiven Death has no power in your life or in mine or in those we love. And that the best encounter with Jesus of all is going to be that one when we see him again. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way. And we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.